Thanks, Claire. Please keep your Bibles open there at Luke chapter 5. And there will, as we know, be a question time a bit later on, so any questions that come up on the way through, just note them down and you can ask them later. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do want to see Jesus as he really is and as his heart is for us. Uh, and so we ask that uh, as we read this part of your word again now and spend a bit more time thinking about it, it will strike us with what it is that Jesus says and what he does, uh, that we can uh, draw near to him in faith. In his name we pray. Amen. My life would be so much better if only... When are you going to finish that sentence for yourself? What, what difficulty is there, what problem in your life <clears throat> that if it was gone, you could genuinely say, my life would be so much better if that was, if that was fixed, if that, was, if that problem was gone. It might be a physical problem or, or some mental or emotional difficulty. It might be a relationship that is causing a difficulty or a financial issue. It might be a life circumstance, a living situation, something with work or study, or whatever it is. What, what, what is there that if that thing was fixed, you could say, yes, that will dramatically improve my life. Just to give an example for me, uh, I'd have to say that the uh, injury I did playing footy uh, when I was in year 12, that would be the thing for me. I was in the high school playing footy and I injured my shoulder and that was the end of what I'm sure was going to be an illustrious footy career. I couldn't play any contact sport again after that uh, and despite uh, surgery and all kinds of things to fix it, it, uh, it never fully recovered. I, I couldn't do any of the things that I got to do for quite a long time. Eventually I could get back into summer and I could surf again, uh, but it's still painful when I surf. And even, even today, over all these years, I wake up every morning and it hurts. That's now 20, 25 years later, I wake up every morning and it still hurts. Now, I'm not trying to kind of get sympathy, just to, I guess, give an example. I know that lots of people have issues far worse than that. But I wonder what it is for you. <coughs> what is it for you where if that was fixed, your life would be so much better. And the reason that I want us to think about that today is because however we might answer that question for ourselves, our passage today, I think, puts that issue of yours into what I guess we say is a bigger perspective. Not to diminish how real that problem is, but to see it as part of something bigger. So to get into it, we just read about a guy with a very big problem, right? There's no prizes for guessing how he would answer that question that I've just asked. You know, I'd be, I'd be tipping that having legs that work would be pretty high up on his wish list. Yet every morning, this guy would wake up confronted again by the very real impact that his disability has on his life. Now, his full-time job, his, his only career option, the only thing he could do to survive would be to sit in the dust on the side of the road and beg. Uh, no government welfare, no NDIS. He was completely at the mercy of the people around him and whatever help he could get from them. And so surely, right, he must have been thinking, my life would be so much better 
He finally, I had legs that worked. How can you not? So can you imagine then how stoked he must have been when he heard that Jesus was in town? And Jesus had developed a reputation by now as someone who could do some pretty amazing things. And so when this guy hears that Jesus has come to town, he's got to think all these Christmases have come at once. You know, this is the guy who can solve my problem for me. And thankfully, this guy did have some people around him who were willing and able to help him. And so they brought him to Jesus. They carried him on a mat. But it seems like this guy and his friends weren't the only ones who had this idea. Jesus had developed a bit of a reputation. By now, people had come to see Jesus from everywhere, to hear him teach, to have him heal them. And the crowd was so big, we're told, that the house that he was in was absolutely cramped out. They could not get in. But that wasn't going to stop this guy and his friends. They, they get up onto the roof of the house. Picture, if you can, those kind of ancient Near Eastern houses with flat roofs and the external staircase, and you can kind of walk up the outside, and they start pulling the tiles out of the roof. So imagine with me that you're inside the house now with Jesus, and bits start falling from the ceiling. And then all of a sudden a hole kind of opens up and the hole just gets bigger and bigger and all of a sudden a person appears in that hole and slowly gets lowered down right in front of Jesus and just lands on the floor, thump, in front of Jesus. This is it, right? He now has a personal audience with the guy who can solve his biggest problem. You can imagine him, can't you, looking expectantly up at Jesus. What's going to happen? Well, this is the point where the man's encounter with Jesus takes what I guess you could call a turn to the unexpected. Right? Have a look with me at how Jesus responds to this man's need and to, and to this man's trust <coughs> that Jesus can fix his problem. Have a look at verse 20. <coughs> when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, how do you reckon this guy's feeling right about now? Now, after all he's done to get an audience with Jesus, after all he's been expecting and hoping for, you know, I can imagine thinking, my sins are forgiven? Gee, thanks a lot, buddy. How about giving me some real help? You know, how about giving me something useful? You know, I, I dug a hole in the roof for crying out loud so I could see you. Yeah, you know, hello, legs. Now, we can totally sympathise, can't we, if that was this guy's response. It reminds me again of that, that line from the U2 song that I quoted a couple of weeks ago at Jesus' birth. You know, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? You know, how about something useful, Jesus? It kind of seems, doesn't it, like Jesus has completely missed the elephant in the room. Everyone in that place must have known what this guy was hoping for. I can imagine... One of Jesus' friends tries to whisper in Jesus' ear, yeah, Jesus, I don't think that's quite what this guy's looking for. I think he's come here for something else. Now, I reckon that's what I would have been thinking if I was there. In fact, that's what I'm thinking as I read it now. But it turns out Jesus wasn't missing the big issue here. He wasn't blind to this guy's problem. Jesus saw what we see. But he also saw more than that. 
And he actually knew what this guy's biggest problem was, even as he's sitting there with his useless <coughs> and withered legs. Jesus could see something else. Kind of like, you know, those special UV lights they use in crime scenes, or at least they do in the crime scene movies. You know, when, when everything looks clean and fine and nothing wrong, nothing to see here, then all of a sudden they put on the UV lights and the special glasses and all of a sudden the blood stains that have been scrubbed clean but are still there become visible. Jesus can see something that we can't, something deeper. And when this guy comes to Jesus with such an obvious and serious problem, Jesus knows that as serious as that is, and as obvious as that is, this guy has an even bigger problem, an even deeper one. And so that's what Jesus deals with. And he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And in that moment, what Jesus is doing really for us is he's making a statement about every one of us, about what our biggest problem is. That getting things right between me and God is the most important, the most precious, the most good thing that there could ever be. And as we see Jesus interacting with this paralyzed man, I wonder if the challenge that we face is just whether we appreciate how big a thing it is that Jesus is offering this man when he offers him sins forgiven, what he offers to make him right with God. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a significant falling out with another person, you know, maybe a friend or a family member, maybe from some big blow up that happened and that just ruined and changed everything, or maybe just for a gradual, from a gradual breakdown in relationship over time. If that relationship meant anything, or if there's any ongoing contact in that relationship, any ongoing interaction, then that breakdown can be painful and difficult. I know, I've experienced it. You wake up in the morning and it just comes flooding back to you. You're kind of like my pain in my shoulder, but, but worse. The pain of knowing that there is now a barrier in this relationship that wasn't there before. Or, or the anxiety of that next interaction with that person that you know is going to be difficult, that you know is going to be awkward because there is bad blood there now. And how much worse when that bad blood is between you and God? When the person who holds something against you is the creator of the universe, and there is nothing that you can do about it because the fault is on your side. Now, this is a problem that far exceeds any problem in my life, and dare I say, in yours as well. It's a problem with eternal consequences. And that's what Jesus was addressing for this man on this day. So as I said, as we hear what Jesus says to this man, the challenge we face is believing that that also is our biggest problem. Now that's our challenge. But notice that the people around Jesus had a different issue. They didn't think too little of what Jesus was offering the man. They knew what a massive claim this was. 
They knew that forgiving sin is both huge and that it's something that only God can do because sin is between me and God, that my sin is against God and so only God is able to forgive that. It's like when, when I had a car accident here outside of KFC a few months ago, going straight ahead through the, through the green light and someone turned right, right in front of me. We had a head-on collision. Thankfully, no one was badly injured. But there were a bunch of people around who saw what happened. Imagine if one of those witnesses kind of came up and said to the person who was at fault, said, look, I saw what happened. You were at fault, but it's okay. You don't have to worry about it. I forgive you. You don't have to fix that guy's car. I mean, how am I going to respond to that, right? Hang on. That's not, that's not your call to make. Or there are actually some police just down the road at the same time. They were doing something else. I'm not sure what they just happened to be there. They saw what happened. They came along to see if everyone was okay. Imagine if even the police said to the woman, oh, it's okay. You know, I forgive you. You don't have to do anything. You have to fix the guy's car. Again, even if it's the police, not your call to make. It was against me. It's kind of like that with us and God and with our sin and God. Our sin is against God. And so those people who objected to what Jesus said, only God can forgive sin, they were right. And Jesus doesn't deny that. But what he says is, I want you to know that I can forgive sin. And so to prove it, he does something else that only God can do. Because, of course, you can't see when someone's sin is forgiven, right? The guy didn't get a halo behind his head all of a sudden. There's no test that you can do to see if, if someone's sin is forgiven. There's not a rat test where you can take a few drips and drip it on a thing and then wait 15 minutes and true or false, you can find out. It's not something that we can see. Not yet, anyway. And so instead of, in, in, instead, Jesus does something that you can see also that only God can do. He tells the paralysed man to stand up and walk. And instantly, nerves that were severed and dead rejoined and come back to life. Muscles that were withered and useless became strong and the man stood up and walked. See, Jesus did something that only God can do that you can see to prove that he could do something else that only God can do that you can't see. Jesus can forgive our sin. And not surprisingly, we're told the crowd was amazed. Now, we're not told whether they were amazed at the miracle or at what that meant about what Jesus said about being able to forgive sin. Now, I suspect that the crowd probably had the same challenge that we have the confronting challenge of what Jesus says this man's biggest problem is and what our biggest problem is. Because when Jesus said that, it seems like a shocking, such, a, such an insensitive thing to say to someone in that situation, doesn't it? I mean, even this morning when I was talking about this, there was someone in a wheelchair who was hearing it. And it's hard to, to hear what Jesus is saying when you're confronted by such an obvious problem, Right? And I suspect also that that same feeling, that same shock and, and objection maybe translates to our own situation as well sometimes in our own life. You know, God, don't you realise what I really need? My life would actually be so much better if you fix this problem over here, this real issue in my life. 
And if God really cared for me, that's what he would do. But Jesus says that for every single one of us, this even deeper issue between us and God is what really needs to get fixed. Forgiveness from God. And that God has freely offered that to us through Jesus by his own kindness, by his own generosity towards us. He offers that forgiveness. And can I say that if there is anyone here tonight who does not yet know this personally for yourself, then this is what matters. This is the first order thing that you need to get right with God. And we can do that the same way that this paralysed man did, simply coming to Jesus and trusting that he is the one who can do for us what only God can do. And if you don't know this for yourself yet, then I would love to talk to you about it or talk to someone here who you know. There is no better day than today to get things right with God and to discover this wonderful forgiveness from him. But can I also say that this challenge, the challenge of this encounter, is not just for people who don't yet know about this forgiveness through Jesus. It also tells those of us who do know it that this is the best, the most important thing that we need and to remind us of how good it is and to not, importantly, to not let our other problems, as significant as they are, overshadow what we know about the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Because it's one thing to acknowledge that this is what we need most, that this is what matters most. But particularly, I think, for those of us who have heard this many times before, who have known this for a long time, to believe in real life that this is what makes the biggest difference for us especially when we've got other problems too. Because it's another thing to let that forgiveness from God control how I feel about life, control how I feel about God, rather than let the problems that I have in life control how I feel about what God thinks of me and God's love and care for me. To know that God loves me and he cares for me because I know that I have his love and forgiveness even while I still have this problem over here. Yeah, I've got a friend, whenever I think of this paralysed man, I think of my friend Tim, who is also in a wheelchair. He's quadriplegic. Uh, up until a few years ago, he was probably one of the most active guys I knew. His pretty much only recreational activity was sport. He did it all the time. He was very good at it. He loved it. It's what he did. Then one day he was at the beach diving into the surf like he'd done, he said, a thousand times before, but on this day something went wrong. He dived in, he hit a sandbar and broke his neck. And those few next few minutes, hours and weeks were absolutely critical, harrowing. He rescued my friends, care flight helicopter to the hospital, weeks in ICU, months in rehabilitation, and his life will never be the same. He's now completely dependent on people around him. And if there is anyone I know who could honestly say, my life would be so much better if this problem was fixed, it's got to be him. You know, I can imagine how he must sometimes wake up in the morning and just wish he could go back to that moment and undo it. All right? 
or somehow just miraculously fix this problem that he has, that it was gone. But as much as he must long for that, I know that he believes that the biggest thing that he has, the biggest problem that is solved is forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And he has that. He knows that he has it. And he also looks forward to the day when God will fix his physical body, give him arms and legs that work as they should, and he's looking forward to that. Now, that doesn't by any means diminish or downplay his other very real problems, not by a long shot. But it certainly challenges me as I think about him to reconsider what Jesus said to this paralysed man. And I find Tim such a challenging rebuke to me as I consider my own problems in light of the forgiveness that I have in Jesus. There's there's a verse in, in the psalm, Psalm 32, that says, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Blessed is the one whose sin does not count against them. And I hear that and I think, do I consider myself blessed because of that? Or do I count my blessings using a different scale? Do I value the good things in life that I have or that I don't have more than I value the God who gives those things to me and the good relationship that I can have with him through forgiveness? Jesus challenges us to recognise that the best thing that we have is being forgiven by God and being right with him because of Jesus, that it's the best thing that we could ever need. There's another verse in the Old Testament from Lamentations chapter 3 that says God's love for us, God's mercy for us will never fail. It is new every morning. Every morning I wake up and my shoulder is sore. But that verse tells me that every morning I wake up and God's love for me is as fresh and new as the sunrise on a new day after a stormy night. In fact, whatever the night has has been, whatever I have done that I wish that I hadn't done last night or yesterday or last year that I wish that I could take back, that is forgiven and new and gone because of Jesus. That I don't need to have the nervousness before God or the fear before God. What's he going to think of me? Like I would after an argument with someone next time I see them. I don't have to avoid God in my mind like we avoid a person that we might think has got something against me. Instead, we can step into the new day knowing that the light of God's love is shining on us and we can walk with him in confidence through that day, trusting him, obeying him, with confidence and joy as the loved child of a loving father. And because we know that, we can know that he does care for us in every way that we need, even in those things that we don't yet have the solution for. Even if I'm still waiting for God to fix this problem in my life. In fact, the Christian life could be summed up in exactly that experience, living in that space of believing what is true of the forgiveness that God has given me in Jesus and the love that he has shown to me 
while still waiting for what God has promised in the future that I don't yet have yet. That's the trust while waiting that the Christian life looks like and and the struggle in that trust. And, And my prayer tonight is that the better we understand the goodness of what we have in that forgiveness and that love through Jesus, the better we trust him and the better we wait with joy, the better we wait with confidence, the better we wait living the life that God wants us to live because we know that we live it in his love while we wait for that future that he has promised because Jesus has fixed our biggest problem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts and our minds and our lives better than anyone around us knows. You know those things that cause us grief and pain, some public and obvious and some private and hidden, but you know them. Father, help us to know and to believe that you have indeed fixed the biggest problem for us through Jesus. Help any of us who haven't yet taken hold of that to do so by trusting him and help all of us who have done that to hold on to that trust and to persevere in it and to grow in it. And Father, fill us with joy as we look forward to the day when every other thing in our life will be filled with joy and fixed. In Jesus' name, amen.